0: As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance and their successes or failures, but there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Terry Vellman and Adam Drucker, both currently working on Sludge Life and Disroom, so join us as we explore their journey. So today I'm joined by both Terry and Adam. How are you both? Good. Good. Great. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming <laughs> aboard the show uh, a second time. Uh, we've we've had a little audio-visual hiccup there, but uh, we, we're overcoming. Um, how are you both? Going well? Yeah, good. Good.
1: I was working stuck on at home. group all day.
0: Yeah, stuck at home with this current world situation. Yeah. So this is Dev Darius. He usually we talk to people from the games industry all over the world, share their various different experiences. This is a really awesome episode because we are actually speaking to people different locations around the world at once. It's, it's really, really great. I'm looking forward to this a great deal. But before we get to your respective careers in the industry, we need to wind back to the very beginning and talk about some of your first gaming experiences. I feel like we've done this before. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> who wants to kick things off? Who wants to talk about some of their first gaming experiences?
2: So for me, it was computer games. Like, uh, my dad had a computer, and this kid would come by this big folder full of games, and he'd just install a bunch of stuff. And um, I played a lot of, what did I say, Lemmings? Um, Lemmings. King's Quest, the Doom. And I don't know the player. timing exact, like, the exact timing of each game. Like, it's kind of a mess in my head, but uh, it's Warcraft, you know, Diablo. was So I played that so much. But I think I was a bit older on Diablo. I'm not sure.
0: That would have been mid nineties that one. I'm trying to think, now. yeah, mid late nineties, like
2: ten or something. I'm from '84, so I was probably like ten. And then I moved to the US with my family for a few years, and I got like a PlayStation. Yep. Because um, in Brazil it was like super expensive, no one had it. But um, in the US, I got one. I got really into it. And but I, I play these days. I play everything, anything.
0: Don't discriminate.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah sure. no, pati- no particular favorite genres or games particular problem franchises is
2: having time yeah i don't have that much time anymore that's the,
0: the issue not yeah isn't that the truth the curse yeah. of making games as opposed to playing them
1: yeah it's true and yeah. then when i do get to play a game it's like i have to play disc room or i have to play sludge life because we added shit and i had yeah. it's like and i want to but you know it's a whole different way of playing yeah
0: uh, fair enough it's
1: know,
2: that critical yeah. eye Disc room has leaderboards and that shit's like.
1: Oh, I, know. I looked at it and I'm
2: like, okay, I'm gonna, right. I gotta beat this dude.
1: Because yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm like, fuck you, Terry. <laughs> All alone in my house.
0: So, Adam, how about you? Where did your, what were your, some, some of your first gaming experiences? What were some of the first games that you played?
1: I was uh, I was a littler shit, a way littler shit. And I started playing uh, Nintendo. My family split and they got me a Nintendo. And it was the first time I saw two in the morning playing Zelda. I played the other stuff, but that was the, I guess Metroid too. I was pretty crazy about Metroid, drawing yeah, maps as you should be. Their, yeah, awesome. and then um, and then I played a lot of Nintendo. Some I played Fantasy Star Two. Was probably the first vaguely epic thing that I beat. Yeah. And then uh, nowadays I play mostly indies, and every once in a while I buy a Dynasty Warriors. That is oh my, yeah okay. My cupcake, I they're the worst spam smack the button game ever made. But I don't know why I like them. I learned a little about fake Chinese history. No, there is something strangely about them.
2: Right.
1: What was that? Yeah, pretty much. yeah, I never played PC. I never had a computer in my house till right. I got one to make music because right. I was just a few years earlier than you were. So. Right.
0: And yeah. then um, obviously at this, at this point, the both of you then eventually start, like you've gone from a passion for games to actually getting involved in the, the gaming scene. Uh, but Adam, your career actually began prior to games uh, in the rapping scene. Yep.
1: I started a uh, collective called Anticon. That was also a label. And we started some of the first avant-garde rap. Making right after Letirix and Company Flow uh, kind of set the mold. We followed up with a bunch of other contemporaries and I toured the world, made a bunch, eventually learned to make music because there were all these talented, self-taught musicians around me. Yep. And I just, I was always stubborn about, I think being really bad at stuff stops me from, is the biggest inhibitor for me being really good at something. That's you know what I mean so having a bunch of friends around me that taught themselves I finally understood how to make music and eventually started producing and then started making games right as that all converged
0: yeah it's, it's interesting kind of timing that they all converged there and obviously yeah you're involved there's a lot of collaborations um in, in terms of your specific uh rapping career prior to then actually getting involved in the games themselves but how did you how did you find your way into the gaming landscape
1: so I took uh, this dude uh, who mixed one of my records, brilliant mix engineer. Uh, he angel funded Napster with the money he got from selling the first Palm Pilot prototype straight out of Stanford. He was always doing fancy stuff. And he called me and was like, I sold a company to Viacom and I'm making video games. What they were making is shitty Facebook games and the iOS clones, like yeah. the Tiny Tower clones. And he said they needed a sound guy, and I just lied and said I can do it. And I went in there, and I just started doing it. And it was, uh, you know, because it was in that era, we ported to, like, Android phone and Facebook. And we tried to do iOS, and we tried to do a console. So I learned the ropes in all these engines and just the general one-twos of sound design. And then, thank God that ended, and I met through Venus Patrol and Vlambeer, I met the whole indie scene and started going to GDCs, and then had a one-to-one personal doorway into meeting all these amazing game makers. And that's what blew my mind, is because I grew up on console as a little kid in a shitty neighborhood, and I just thought all video games were made by 80 Japanese men in a building. You know? Yeah, of course. So Then immediately after doing this horrible Viacom thing, I meet like one guy who makes a whole video game in 48 hours and i was like wait a minute so it was really like i had been doing it for a few years and i thought it was hellish and then i met all these people that do it the right way and i was like oh this is what
0: i want to do yeah there's this whole other world out there and this whole other side to video games that you just didn't realize existed and i was much the same same as you for a long time that's
2: why you can't make the games too good they got to be kind of shitty so, people have this, like, oh, I can do this shitty thing as well. It's like, true. You it... one... Yeah. It's true. For sure.
1: It's not inspiring. It's daunting. I do it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, Terry, how about you? That's so, obviously, awesome uh, obviously, you've worked on uh, quite a lot of games that can be found online. You can go digging for them right now. Um, but, and that obviously includes the likes of Goblin Uzi, Pusher Kings, Ballsy, Escape, Duck Duck, Duck Robert, uh, Rocket, sorry. And, um, quite quite a few more before you got involved with devolver but how did that how did the seeds of that game development side actually begin because you've gone from playing games and consuming them to mm-hmm. suddenly making them
2: um i was sitting at home a lot bored um, I had a lot of downtime i was working as a freelancer mostly illustrator but um i did some flash stuff
0: yeah
2: and and flash was like kind of a hook because there was a lot of flash games so I was like oh i I knew some bit of action script so i was like i'm gonna try to get better at this because i was seeing people you know making a lot of cool games on their own and um i just put time into it and i got in touch with the devolver and showed them heavy bullets that i was working on I was not plenty of pitching but it just happened to work out and they knew those and they sent him they sent me a track and i was like yeah that's it and Heavy bullets was, like, our first game in 2014, yeah.
0: And I guess it's just, you know, right time, right place in some senses to be able to actually get in touch with Devolver and make make that partnership work.
2: Yeah, it was really good time in a talk with Devolver, and I got in touch with them because Jonathan Jonathan and Dennis, they wanted me to make, like, a graphic for their website, the Hotline Miami website. So I was talking to Devolver over that and I just sent them the game and they were like, yeah, let's do it. Um, at the time, I think they were really growing and looking for new stuff. And now I guess they, they get like a thousand pitches a day or something, but it was yeah, really be crazy what they have to get. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. And I guess, yeah, that whole right time, right place thing really kind of worked out nicely for you because as you, as you said, um, Devolver was much smaller then. They were certainly... On the upswing, and they were growing at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's not that they've plateaued just yet. I think uh, some of the stuff that we're seeing out of Devolver is fantastic um, in recent years. And right. They just seem to continue to find more cool projects. But they were much earlier in their kind of development at that particular period, and it seems like you both got onto a really good thing at just the right time. Hundred percent. So, how yeah, did that sure. partnership between the two of you actually begin? given that you're both on very diff uh, as much as you work together you're still working in very different parts of the games industry well i mean once got in
1: touch, it just started happening because heavy bullets yeah. was pretty much done so terry had it i guess man you were still doing the last few levels maybe you were almost
2: yeah something like almost, that,
1: yeah. it was like 75 it was like
2: early access it was on we just needed audio for early
1: access But then we had to
2: finish the game on Earth yet. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, that was great. So I just kind of, like, usually uh, when you get a game that's that done, which doesn't really happen that often, it's really fun to make music because you're like, oh, I see. This is this level. I mean, everything just makes a lot of sense. Yes. And you're sort of working with the maximum amount of feedback and information. And then once we started doing High Hell, the everything started to shift and it was less formed, you know? And yeah. so that was when Harry that that was when Terry and I really started to work together in every way. And I started to help write and think about things and just being while well, the bread is still dough, we were both working on it. Yeah. And then it starts to come together and yeah. we just support each other's better decisions and and then sludge life was like that times two, so it was the same. It was the high hell experience, but there was a ton of writing and a world to create and all this other shit. So
2: yeah, yeah. I think the, the themes and the characters and the world—that's all the just things I'm most interested in in games. Yeah, and okay. that's what we share the most, and that's like the the coolest part to work.
0: That on. that common interest in some ways. Yeah.
2: Yeah and we just have fun with it
0: and I guess is that kind of the the fundamental thing that underpins why the the two of you have worked together on as as we mentioned obviously uh, Heavy Boards and High Hell and now Sludge Life as well is that the real kind of connecting thing that's almost guaranteed that almost whatever project you work on now and possibly into the future that's going to have you two working side by side without, without wanting it. to lock the two of you together for the rest of our lives. I definitely didn't make that call for you, but no, it seems like we're it's really a really good on, working relationship.
2: We're working on this room now. And yeah. It's not just us. There's more of our friends, yeah. JW and, and Kitty. So we're already working on another game
1: together. That's and true. Yeah. And I do think it's kind of like... Um, Terry and I don't talk like this amongst ourselves but the way it feels to execute work is like it's a two-man all-star team and when we're working on Disc Room we're adding Kitty and JW who are two other all-stars and so it just is like nothing gets left on the floor everything gets used there's more than enough ideas and it's just about right. clearing out time to do your best work so it's pretty fun man it's like because I've done a lot of jams and stuff and like we're Working with people that are truly, completely or equal, but have a whole different specialized skill set, it's really inspiring. It's the only way to go.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. And uh, obviously the, the titles you've produced so far have been fantastic. Sludge Life is looking great. Um, and you know anything that comes in the future, I'm sure if it really harnesses that kind of relationship that the two of you and the rest of you know the team, anyone else who gets involved forgot, then I think it bodes really well for those subsequent projects. But Sludge Life itself um for anyone who's listening that's not familiar with what the game is uh could either one of you maybe both of you talk a little bit about what the game actually is for starters
2: so it's a first person vandalism exploration comedy drugs game is that good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically, you you run around this map, this little world, and you find these spots that you can add your tag to, your tagger called Ghost. Yep. Um, And you got a bunch of spots that you gotta find and you can climb everything you can get anywhere. But the real magic of the game is the world and the characters and the little interactions and the visuals and the music. Right?
0: So... Are there any particular um, things that you refer to as as inspiration in either the, the gameplay sense, but also uh, musically? Is there are there any kind of things you look back at? I, I, I when I first saw the trailer pop up, however long ago that was now, um, my first thought I, I could see hints of and stylistically, but also thematically, uh, Jet Set Radio and those sorts of that, games of that sort of style. Um, were, were, I mean, am I correct about that one? Is that is that a Reference at all, or are there any other games or other piece of meat art out there that you look on as some sort of inspiration at all?
2: Man, I never played Jet Set Radio. Everybody tells me <laughs> oh, really? it doesn't look like it, but I never played it. Yeah. It's yeah. also graffiti. Uh, Hi, how we already got a lot of comments saying it looked like Jet Set Radio just because of the outlines and the flat shape? Yeah. Artistically, yeah. yeah. But this one is like you can't avoid it because it's also a tagging game. I don't think. I think Jet Serato is also like a rollerblading type thing, right? Yeah,
0: there, there is that to it yeah, as well. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's yeah. so gross. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> rollerblading
1: and graffiti uh... and hell yeah. The, but the uh, I, think... I think we talked a lot when we were making it about hmm. like, you know, the term Zelda village, you know, because it's kind of a giant Zelda village for lack yeah. of a better term. And you, the thing that I like is at the end, I was watching people play it at PAX and what it became is like, I mean, out of where I grew up, the only thing people would ask you for is a dollar, but no one ever lets you into their life and is like, hey, will you help me find a flute? You know, like that shit doesn't happen. So this game, we just kind of made it everyone talking at you and it somehow is like twice as realistic, sort of like Zelda in the hood. You know, people go up to they may they don't really need shit from you. They want to tell you how they feel, what time it is on their watch. And so the game started to become a different balance and it's a whole different fun reason to go up and talk to npcs like it's not getting a quest but it is getting the interaction yeah color and attitude and world i think high hell was the biggest
2: hook for making slash life yeah because it had the maps and you could in each level, you had like a little doll that you had to find. It was like a yeah. secret objective. So it was fun to jump around the map. And I was like, I can just make a game out of this. And then the the cutscenes, which most people think it's like the loading screens, had these weird, funny interactions. And I was like, I, I can just have these be the game while you explore stuff. And then I, I have this background that I used to do murals and, and I met a lot of graffiti and, and show artists and it just made sense like it clicked like this works it's a good incentive to explore the map we yeah. didn't want to be like oh faithful to the graffiti scene or on whatever
0: yeah that was sure. not
2: the, the idea but it, it just worked well and it was with really fun
0: so then in terms of the what what you can hear and so Adam specifically some of your work on the game uh, are there any particular things out there that have kind of inspired the direction you've gone with the the sound of the game I mean
1: just what Terry makes man I fucking work it's so cool to work to Terry's world you know it's just
0: yeah. we had all these
1: taggers every tagger got a theme song because that's how they used to for graffiti that's how taggers think about themselves whether you actually have one or not you sort of pretend you do. Yeah. And there was, so they all got that. There's like a rapper who likes about tagging that is also stuck. And then just the music of the world, which I figured should be one world like, didn't need any rock and roll. There's no guy listening to rock and roll in his bedroom. Yeah. It's just this sort it of, was, yeah. yeah. It was kind it was of
2: cheating because it's just our natural, the stuff we already do. We just yep. did yep. it.
1: That's, in fact, yeah. that was what it was like Was when we started working on this I was like, Terry was like yeah, you know, the cutscenes were so cool let's just have a bunch of like cuts from High Hell a bunch of cutscene yeah. interactions in Sludge Life and I was like, yeah, that was the best music too, I should just make a bunch of that cutscene yeah. music, and so that was kind of what that shit, that was the starting point, was a slice of High Hell being applied to this new aesthetic.
2: But also I, I did not want to ask those to rap i knew it would work but i was not like he if he wants to like i don't need to ask him if he wants to do it he'll do it and then at one point he did big mud i was
0: yes yeah yeah Yeah. so it's more just allow it to be whatever it is you just you you'll pick up some of the game and get a bit of a feel for it and then design some music around that feeling i guess
1: and doing big mud was really important for the game because it actually delivers like 90% of the concentrated content, even though it's stylized. He's kind of talking about the whole world. And so it, the same thing where Terry was like, I'm not going to ask him to rap. Like if the game asks me to rap, it's no question that it applies, but sometimes just sticking my voice on shit is not the way to go. So it was kind of like, but this really spoke to it. And then we had all these characters and, Just seemed to apply and make sense, you know. So it really, and then once we did it, you know, putting it out on Spotify first into the world from the island is another layer of why Terry and I like working together and with Devolver because we can play with this pop art aspect without being too capitalist or bastardizing this thing that we make. Both of us really like the idea of how does this stretch out into the world. It's basically the creative the little lump of creativity inside marketing yeah we okay I'm both with you. enjoy that to a certain degree so yep. we get to like play with that a little bit because we work with devolver and they're like the best uh, you know it's
2: very uh, random right if the game and the marketing we just kind of make a face and go like what if we do this and it's like okay done okay. <laughs> yeah
0: just 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 go with <laughs> it that sort of thing it's not super planned out or
2: thought thought through or anything we just kind of go
0: with it yep. but do you think in terms of what yeah you, what goes out there marketing wise and trailer wise do you think that's still like that kind of let's just go with it let's just put it out there um go with whatever i'm feeling do you think that's still fairly indicative of what we're we're getting in the actual product though like, oh I well, mean, it's is, well is it's that not. very open creativity sort of thing
1: yeah, I think so. But also too, like we say that it's willy nilly. That's how we decide the scope of what we're gonna do, but the yeah, way okay. that we work is really anal. Like the trailer, we do a million versions, Terry replays the fucking, you know, game I mean, the, fifty times.
2: Too. That the is involved in that part, right? Yes. Yeah. And they they're thinking about marketing and they got a trailer, the Kurt doing the trailer cut and all that. Um just the game. It's something else, yeah. But I, I think the the marketing and the merch matches the game really well. Yeah. Right. Also, like when we were making the music and looking at all the scenes, we were definitely thinking, like, this is going to work well for the trailer. It just, yeah, you know, it just speaks to what the game is and it's really fun and diverse. Yeah. And so that, a... that, that was a bit of planning out on that, that end. Yeah. And there's a,
0: there's a not... oh, sorry. Sorry, go for that. Oh. Sludge Life just
1: gives a really good trailer. Not all games do. Some games, yeah. it's like the footage. I it was just just surprised to Terry and I. Despite the work, there's something about Sludge Life that just came together, and you're like, "Wow, this is really explains the game." And it's a totally pauseless trailer, and that's not always the case. So that was like a natural luck incident.
0: Yeah, I've I've got to say when I when I watched the the trailer for the first time and I. That that point that you make is actually fantastic because there are some games and some trails, whether they're big, like whether of a big, large financial scale or they're a very small, you know, maybe one person team. There's there's ebbs and flows with certain trails that you can kind of switch off a little bit from time to time. Um, like, okay, I've I've got a bit of a feeling for it. Great, move on. Now when it come, when you know, this is purely my perspective, of course, but when I when I sit there and watch that Sludge Life trailer, I go, I've got a feel for this, but. I want to keep watching because it feels like there's something else around the corner that I need to be looking out for here. Right. And that's... It kind of... It kept me captivated throughout.
2: It is confusing to a lot of people. Like, they they look at it, okay, cool, but what is the game? I don't get what the game is. Yeah. But that is what the game is. Mm -hmm. The game is that. You play the game and you're like, I don't get what this game is yet. And then you keep playing it because you want to see what's around the corner. So it, even in that sense, it it fit really
0: well. Yeah, that's it's fantastic. Now, the, yeah, there is this uh, kind of open world component to it. Is that is that is that fair to say? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I guess that's where you get your opportunities to have those uh, interactions with the NPCs that we're talking about before and and whatnot. Um, obviously, there's the there's the tagging component. But what what can players expect to be doing inside the world beyond some of those really cool? Uh, quite entertaining interactions. What else will they be doing? And there's the tagging as well.
1: You can pee, and sculpt. <laughs> you can read. You can take photographs of uh, people looking at cat butts. <laughs> They're supposed to be at work. What else can you do? You can glide. You can
2: take shrooms. You can fart. You can do a flip. You can, a flip, can
1: smoke cigarettes. <laughs> it's just like real life. <laughs> So really? really, whatever you want. Yes, yeah, pretty much. You can eat slugs. Um, you can pet dogs. At last. Oh yeah!
0: Otherwise, Twitter would be after you for that. Yeah. Can, can you pet, pet the dog? There's.
1: You can talk to a cat actually, which is nice. Yeah.
0: Is uh, there anything that the both of you would like to introduce into the game that's not currently there? Um, there's. There's that one. One little feature or mechanic or whatever that's yeah that's maybe still a work in progress or grenade whatever you'd like to fit in. I
1: think grenade launcher would be really good. <laughs> 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 well, the game uh, is done.
2: The game is done. Like we're finished with the game. Yeah. yeah. The game is finished. It's, I'm not touching it anymore. We're doing the the switch version now and, and wrapping that up for release. But that was the the buff buff jerk idea. That was really yeah. good. So yeah. Hard to implement at the point where the idea came up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, some asshole would just be buffing your tags, and you gotta you you had to find them and beat them up or something. Yeah, like yeah. a simple
1: puzzling element to yeah. off jerk. But I do but think the- that if this does, if Sludge Life is well received, Terry and I really got a taste for like creative blood in the water of what I'll doing. So like this idea of like not giving you a shooty game, but giving you this work of art that we really lost ourselves making. Yeah, I think if we can uh, feel allowed to do that in the future, we're only going to have more fun doing it and make crazier shit for
0: people. Yeah, for sure. Fuck. Yeah. It was fun. Because um, like
2: first-person shooters, I got to a point where I was reading up on it and I was getting a lot of feedback and I was stuck in a lot of depth to make first-person shooters. And I was like, I don't think I like this that much. Like, <laughs> I don't want to get into it this deep into first person shooter game design. I like playing it, but I'm not like super, I don't care that much. And Sludge Life kind of, I, I care about that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: Now, obviously, you did mention that you're working on the Switch version at the moment. Uh, for For players out there, what, uh what platforms can we expect it on so this pc this switch are we are we going beyond that no
1: i
2: don't
0: know i don't think so
2: i mean not no not right now if the not, not if developer wants to do it um I'll, I'll do it for everything but they they have yes. to take the initiative they have the money yeah yeah so,
0: so then Cause we're not doing
2: the party. there's a team called Twenty Two century toys
1: they're doing the parts they're really good
0: okay great and it seems like
1: yeah, they do a fantastic job. I, I do think that, I'm sure that it makes sense to you, Paul, but yeah. there is like still a bit of shroud of mystery of why people don't port places, and it really is, it's economy-based. It's, oh my God, what was that buddy? There's a, there's <laughs> a cat. Yeah. We have uh, these, so. It's so great. It's just expensive. You know, porting is a huge expense, so if you're, self, if you're self-producing your game and self-publishing, yeah. you have to have that money to port, and then you basically have to make the money back on port costs, so it means you're getting yeah money. understood. You know, makes
0: sense. And then there's obviously the other project which we discussed before. There's there's disc room as well. Um, yeah, yeah. For, for anyone who's unfamiliar with that, let's let's dive into that one a little bit. So, what what can people look forward to when it comes to disc room? Which I assume compared to sludge life is still well underway development wise. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every disc
1: room is
2: intense. It's very different to sludge life very intense oh and it's fun and it makes me do a face when i'm playing i'm like
1: doing like a my that body
2: this, contracts. This out.
1: <laughs> yeah it's got the feverish play it again honestly man i call it jw disease or whatever it's like yeah. it's super crate box it's this like before terry was we were saying it to each other at pax Terry was supposed to pass me the controller, but before he can, he's already pressed A and is playing yeah. again. So <laughs> Just can help life, yourself. And I do it myself. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna roll a joint after this or start dinner, and then right. next thing I know, i have already pressed fucking A and I'm right. It. So it's, it's like,
2: like you die. You're the first thing you do is is you restart. I don't know what yeah. is you know that kind of okay. game, and it's I, I don't think it's as hard as people. Saw like people were looking at the trailer and saw. say, "Oh, this game is really hard." Yeah, so <laughs> um I don't think really dif- difficulty is is the thing. It's just really intense and, and fun. It's way more fun than it looks, and I think oh, it yeah. looks fun. Yeah. And in yeah.
0: terms of that difficulty, you think it's just one of those things that once once players actually get the controller or the the mouse and keyboard in their hands, that's when they'll start to get that understanding and they'll feel more comfortable with it. Yeah, you feel like a boss,
1: to be honest. Immediately the game is forgiving and you sort of feel like the first few abilities, you just feel like you can slide through time and you're you know, hard to kill. But then eventually getting higher scores is fucking maddening. <laughs> and it is, so basically like there's one room we're all trying to get 40 seconds in. And it is like,
0: dude, you can get
1: 36 seconds but you can get them 40 is a whole other like tier. It's a focus game. So it's like, it's not about difficult finger movements or combinations. It's about you actually keeping your shit together for 40 seconds, purely, you know. To be successful. Yeah. And it works. It's really fever, it gives you a good player reaction.
2: There was a, a level, like a room that JW, he made some new discs, enemy discs, and I was just like laughing out loud and it was not funny but it was just i wasn't expecting like what happened it was really, yeah that's the, that kind of game just through the gameplay
0: yeah it's and fun. obviously that one's still well underway uh but in in the case of both games when can players hope to maybe be getting their hands on either sludge life or um this room
1: sludge life is spring uh, very soon, actually pinning down specific dates as we speak, and then disc room. I don't know. That's going to be like a summer, bit fall. Off. Yeah, it'll be this year.
0: Okay, good. Yeah. One for people to look forward to as well. Both of those are games for people to look forward to as well. Now, as we start to wind things up and we kind of move away from the games themselves and focus in a little bit on the both of you again. Um, are there any particular people in in your respective portions of the the industry that you? You look up to it all that you you you're inspired by and try and maybe model some of your work upon anyone that you've encountered over the journey or maybe you've just looked at from afar.
1: Yeah, Eunice uh, Turner is a sound designer. He does uh, he did Badlands and Bleak Sword and Downwell and Nuclear yeah, okay. some great games and Atomic Crops and a lot of things. And he is just I feel lucky to know that dude. He's fucking really, really intuitively sound designing games so yeah. he's like he creates what these games need to be more of themselves and once I saw him working it it awoke my kraken of how I want to work to games and so he's a really big inspiration for me it's basically like it's a mixture of like leaping technical hurdles but uh, out creativing the rest of the hurdles so really just being creative but also not being a bitch about Upgrading your understanding of how to do, do certain stuff. technical things, you know what I mean. So
0: yeah, yeah, understood. Yeah, Terry, how about yeah, you? Anyone out there that you really kind of look up to, or you've felt maybe particular a little inspired by? Maybe it's just those that you work alongside.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't say JW and Kitty anymore because we're working with them now.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess I,
2: I had a they don't girl moment. You <laughs>
0: I just. We'll, we'll make sure to send them that the, audio afterwards.
2: The the sock team, I love those dudes. I love the the games oh, they man. make like a million yeah. games a they're year. Killing it, yeah, they're great, and they're they really capture a lot of these little interactions. They just spread it out over a bunch of games instead of making like a big thing.
0: Yeah, but um,
2: and then probably a lot of different people that I. I will not remember the names though.
0: No. no, that's fair it's enough. I, the, but, yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the nature of game development. In a lot of ways though, is that you see little things that people are doing and maybe even someone that you've not actually met, but maybe it's something you see in the game that you play or that you see in a trail. you're like, how did they do that? And you, you try to, you, you, you look into it. So, I mean, these, right. this, this inspiration can come from anywhere at any time. So I can, I can appreciate that. Um, what have been some of the, the, the most valuable lessons that the both of you've learned about games development as you've, as you've progressed through the industry
1: oh man i learn every fucking time i make a game i learn a ton Uh, and just about what i do you know what i mean i don't even i'm not even counting the things that other people do that i constantly am absorbing and learning like writing or design or not code everything except code but uh every time man it's amazing to just make mistakes every time we repair people the games change the context changes like what you're yep. we describing about the difference between why sludge life is fun play and disc room is fun play
0: mm-hmm.
1: completely changes the nature of all the music and sounds i make like yeah for sure crazy action kill you all the time game versus walk around and feel stoned game those are two
0: completely polar opposites you know
1: the right. game so it's really it's it's pretty it's a minefield of education
2: for, for me, it's really learning what is worth spending time on and what is better to just cut and skip through.
0: That's yeah, like yeah, a okay. big,
2: yeah. And what also about some of those- technical stuff all the time that I really hate, but I have to learn? <laughs> of
0: that. And so I feel like you're part of the way through answering my next question as well. What have been some of the great challenges that you've kind of had to overcome through development? Is it some of that, like knowing what to cut and what not and making some of those harder decisions.
2: I think for for a like the worst one is that I had this computer power supply problem that my computer kept restarting on its own, and it took me like months to figure out what it was, and it was horrible. And I was working,
1: it was just like boop,
2: turn off, and I, I lose like, a bunch of okay, shit
1: yes. and the I computer shit. When, yeah. I could tell when you were typing angry. There's just like a <laughs> You're like it's doing the thing, you know. What I'm
2: because like I'd, I'd try something, and I was like, I don't know if this worked. And then like a week would go by, and I would just let my guard down and stop saving all the time and backing up. And then it would like, bloop. And I was like, what a fuck. And I like a day of work.
0: <laughs> uh, Adam, how about you? What, are, what have been some of those challenges that you've, you've kind of had to pick up or overcome uh, through your time in the industry?
1: I think one of the things – Sludge Knife is a really good example – Technically, you kind of can't make it, like, real life. Unity doesn't fucking work that way. So you can't... Like, we have all these boomboxes. Basically, every single game gets an audio mechanic, but you have to round down all the ways music will make you feel into one sort of foolproof implementation strategy. So we're coming out of boomboxes in a 3D world, and that's how we music in this world but still even that was difficult and you can't have it anywhere so it's like the fun technical challenge is understanding uh how you're gonna hook all this music up to create depth you know and it's uh, always yes. always changing at the, the same
2: time like it's a weird mechanic right but it worked for sledge Light. because there's a lot of parts of the game where it's completely silent music wise and that's it part of it feels, it it feels weird insults. because you're just used to having music all the time but it's like well you're not near a boombox so you don't have music where's yeah. the music
1: and if you're like in cleveland and like some shitty neighborhoods especially where i would try and look to do tags and really they ain't no fucking music playing it's just fucking quiet and creepy and <laughs> because you don't want to draw
0: attention to yourself
1: yeah that too yeah so you know it's fun trying to like use that mood but also though intuitively when you walk through a game and there's no music you feel like it's broken so you have to like kind of gradually get up those hurdles
0: and uh our last proper question uh before we get to kind of some social stuff and the kind of closing bits and pieces uh if there was any one game that's ever existed retroactively you can add your name into the credits as having worked on in some capacity Hell, even as a special thanks. I'll even accept a special thanks. Is there is there a particular game out there that you'd love to have been credited for?
1: Oh, man. That's a tough question. Fucking... Mm-hmm. Arch Rivals.
0: Oh, yeah. Terry, how about you? A- anything you can think of?
1: It's probably
2: too child? many. What was that? Probably too many. Um... Uh...
0: First one that springs to mind it's it's a tricky question because yeah i'm certainly without notice as well
2: i would like to make like the visuals for sub rosa you know sub rosa sub rosa i don't know how to pronounce yeah. it
0: yep yeah another one
1: fantastic
0: really choices cool. that looks gorgeous Now, Terry, Adam, if anyone was looking to uh, reach out to you, follow what you're up to, learn more about uh, both games, Sludge Life and uh, Disroom, where would they be best to go?
1: Uh, Get my Twitter, Dose1 Tweets, and then you can find the rest of my bullshit from there.
0: And Terry, how about you? Um, Same, I guess.
2: Dose's Twitter, just follow (laughs) him. (laughs)
0: No, um, mine is can, Terry
2: Bellman, Yeah, just two L's, two
0: just Figure it out. Yeah, and obviously uh, both games we've spoken about that recently. They're both hopefully on track this year. Uh, Sludge Life certainly well, 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 well and truly done outside of the Switch port, so you can look forward to that nice and soon and this room somewhere down the line. Thank you both very, very much for coming aboard the show today, um, sharing your experiences. Perfect. Uh, Your stories, and I speaking for myself, but I also think uh, many of the listeners. uh, We're both, we're all very much looking forward to seeing both games release and what they ultimately become. And wish you very, very well on future future titles that you might presumably, based on how things are going, uh, work on together. Thank you. I'm I'm
2: very looking forward as well to the games being out.
0: Yeah, that would be great.
2: That would be a great day.
0: And yeah, like I said before, I'm very much looking forward to whatever might come next for the both of you as well. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, oh, yeah. thank you for inviting us. It was and listeners, as always, thank you very much for listening. I will see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share with your friends and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at PaulJamesGames on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Terry's and Adam's stories. Thank you very much for listening and I'll see you next
2: time.